Well, good morning, everybody. You guys good? This is the morning service, but uh, it's night service where I'm from, so we might as well have a good time. You know, it's nothing like a night service, Sunday night service on a Sunday morning in Woodlands. What an awesome, hey, how good was that new song, Famous? That is so good. You guys like that? Man, I was playing in the car. I got my youngest daughter with me. She's here somewhere, and the rest of the family is joining for the next service. And we were playing it loud as we were rolling into church this morning. It is so good. Kind of reminds me of uh, back in the day in the 90s when, uh, before I got saved, I used to play in nightclubs. We played uh, Knock of Wood and Mustang Sally and all that groovy stuff. And, uh, man, I like that worship song. Come on, can we thank the team for that? Make sure you play it. Make sure you send it to all your friends, everybody. All right, you can take a seat. It is great um, to uh, have the privilege and the honor to be back here at uh, Woodlands Church. We love this place so much. We've been coming for many years, and uh, uh, we love your pastors, and uh, we just love, we love Texas. At least I do. My wife is a little bit scared every time we go here that uh, I'm going to like it too much. <laughs> and it's, it's hot, but it's really, it's really cold where I come from, so I'll tell you that. You guys don't have polar bears roaming the streets here. I'll tell you that. Man, I like it so much, you know, and uh, in another life, I'd live here if I could. You know, I come from a country where uh, they kind of look a little bit weird of you. I drive a pickup truck, a big truck. I like that, and uh, I know I'm supposed to drive a Prius, and then I come here, and I go like, man, you guys know how to do it. This is the place. I'm even trying to, don't tell my wife's coming in the second service. I'm trying to convince her to let me buy some boots over at Tacovas, uh, some ostrich boots. That's what everybody wants. Come on, somebody. It's... Uh, it's great to be here. I think I might be more Texan than you are. I don't. I see you loafers and stuff going on up in here, you know, like, and you forget where you live. Hey, old jokes aside, it's great to be here. Hey, we're going to get into the message. Sorry, I'm a little bit jet lagged. Anything could happen. I'm not responsible for anything that's going to take place this morning, but hopefully we're going to get into the Word of God. Shout out to the East Campus. Shout out to online. So good to have you guys with us. Uh, I think there's even might be a few people from Sweden watching, so shout out. Thanks for the support. Uh, please don't tell anybody what I'm preaching about here because I'm going to preach about it when I get home. So um, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about something today that has been very real in my life for the last 12 months. You know, 2022 for me was a, it was a big year. We had a lot of challenges in our family. We had a lot of challenges in our life, in church, me personally, health-wise. And you know, you ever had a year where you go like, God, you just disappear? Did you just leave? You still here? You know, you go from worshiping, you feel like every, every song you sing is just, it just causes heaven to break open. Every prayer you pray feels powerful and mighty, and then you, you step into a season where it feels like your prayers just kind of fall off your mouth and, and hit the toes. And you're trying to sing, and it feels like someone stole your song. It feels like you end up in a storm, and you go, God, what am I going to do? And then you And you look around and to make things worse, God is blessing other people. Now, it's one thing when he blesses people that you like. (laughs) But when you have a tough year and God is blessing people you don't even like. Come on, somebody. We all got him. Don't look at him, but we all got him. And you go, God, really? Them? You know where they were last night? Do you follow them on Instagram? Have you seen him? Have you seen her? And God, here I am. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down and you bless them. 
I'm going to talk to you today about when God blesses what you don't approve. It might sting a little bit, but it's going to be encouraging at parts too. So <laughs> we're going to go to the book of Jonah. I've been reading the book of Jonah. My goal last year was to write a book. That has been my goal for the last 28 years, but I keep it as a good goal. And I'm making progress this year because I have started to write my first book after 28 years as a pastor. Now, I haven't gone far. All I got is a title so far, but that's more than I had last year. Um, but I'm, I'm working on writing from this book of Jonah because I, I just feel like I can see myself so much in it. And, and I think God has so much to show us from the book of Jonah. See, what I love about God, he's the God for the good days. He's the God for the, the blessing and the, the fat years and the, the years of overflow. But let me tell you, he's the God in the valley too. He was Joseph's God when he was in the pit. He was Joseph's God when he was in the prison. And he was Joseph's God when he was in the palace. He is a God that is faithful and just. And even though we don't understand sometimes the season we're in, make no mistake, God, he knows where you're at. And he's working on everything coming together for good for your, uh, on your behalf and for your sake. So Jonah, he is a man who knows God. And apparently God knows Jonah. So God goes to Jonah. I'm just going to set up the story before we jump in the fourth chapter. God goes to Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. They're, they're turning their backs on me. They're living their own way. They're worshiping false idols. And you know, I understand that in the Old Testament, there was no grace. Jesus hadn't died yet and paid for our sins. So there was no access to grace. So actually, we had to bear our own consequences. And you might read the Old Testament and go, man, it's brutal. Well, actually, that's what sin does in our lives. Without grace, without Jesus, we all one day have to bear our own consequences for our lives. But through Jesus and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness, we can be restored and redeemed and forgiven. So here's 120,000 people. And God goes to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go preach to him. Because I want to give him an opportunity to, to turn to me and get right with me so I don't have to destroy him. And Jonah goes, no way, God. You go ahead and kill him, because I'm not going. And he's a Christian. Now, we all got him on our Facebook, you know. The, the go ahead and kill him kind of people. And Jonah goes, I ain't going to, I ain't saying nothing. You go ahead and strike him dead, all 120,000 of them. I am not, I don't even like them. I, I don't want to see you bless those people, God. I'm out of here. And then he paid a fare to get on a boat. He paid to get out of the purposes of God. Isn't it amazing sometimes how we end up in a place where we go, God, how do I end up here? Well, you actually paid to get out of what God called you to do. You actually made a conscious decision to take steps away from what you knew God had called you to do. And that's what led you here to go, God, why didn't you lead me? God, I tried. But you'd rather have 120,000 people die that you don't like than actually doing what I called you to do. So Jonah's on a boat, and the, the boat ends up in a storm. And Jonah tells the people to throw him overboard, and a big fish comes and swallows him. And then God is merciful with Jonah, and the fish spits him up. And we're going to go back to that later. And he goes and preaches to Nineveh. And God saves 120,000 people in Nineveh. And you can think, if I ever preach and 120,000 people get saved, bro, I'm writing that book. 
I'm going to be on Oprah. I'm going to be everywhere. I'll be, I'll be, you sign me up. I'm just going to, 120,000 people. I'm going to party for days, weeks, months. 120,000 people get saved. I'll take my shirt off and run circles in here. You know, like I'll be happy. But Jonah, he preaches and 120,000 people get saved and he gets mad. Look at this in Jonah chapter four, verse one. I just want to set up this story for you. And he goes, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. Well, that's a problem. Slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamities. Now, Lord, take my life. He's a little drama queen. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's like, I'm going to go out and sit here. I'm going to see. Oh, yeah, yeah you say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch you. I'm going to see. Oh, you got your marriage restored? Well, let's wait and see. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and see. Oh, you're going to start that new campus? That's never going to work. Oh, I'm just going to sit here and watch. You know, like, that's what we tend to do sometimes when God is about to do stuff that we don't like. So he sits down, cynical, to watch what's going to happen. Jonah's gone out and sat down and at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what happened to the city. Then the Lord, God, provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy to, uh, about the plan. He couldn't care less about 120,000 people going uh, straight away from God, but he was happy about his plant. By the dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die again and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. What happened? He lost his plant. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry. I wish I was dead. It's like when the kids were small and they're like, I'm so, I'm so angry. It's like, this is a grown man. He's being, he, I don't know what I can say. Second language, I just got to wash myself. <laughs> we don't want the online team to having to beep too much this, in this message. I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend uh, tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. God loved all the people and God loved all the animals. Everyone but the cats. Doesn't say anything about the cats. I don't like, I'm scared of cats, but he loved all the animals and he saved them all. He said, bring him. I'm pretty sure Noah wasn't supposed to bring the cats. I think he didn't get God right there. That's just me. But Jonah, he is angry. And his complaint to God is, I knew that you were gracious. Man, I knew you were gracious. I knew you were going to show him love. 
I knew you were going to be a good God. This is what I knew. I should have never served you. I should have never prayed for those people. I know you're slow to anger. Why are you slow to anger, God? And he doesn't remember that God is also slow to anger at Jonah, going through a whole lot of things to get Jonah in the right place. And then he goes, now take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. What's the problem here? The problem here is that God is a good God. The problem Jonah is having is that God is merciful and gracious to people that he don't like, to people that he don't feel like they deserve it. You know, it's funny sometimes when we feel like we, we should have a say in what God does. We should have a say in what, who God blesses. We should have a say. Someone gets saved and started to get restored and we go, oh, that goes a little too quick. Baby steps, brother. Don't be too excited. You're not done yet. You're just a newborn Christian. Don't be too happy. Statistics says you can fall. Let's not celebrate too much. We like the big brother who stays at home when the lost son comes back home. And the dad is happy and he's putting on a party. And the big brother's not celebrating because he's thinking, this is going too fast. He just arrived and now I get a party. He gets clothes. You bought him a truck. You gave him boots. You're doing everything, God. This is going too fast. Can we slow down this restoration process a little bit? Nobody asked me. The big brother thought, what's going to happen with the speed or the rate or the progress of things? But here's the thing with God. God never makes mistakes. And God will always be generous with his love and his mercy. I sometimes think, you know, not here, especially not in this church and certainly not in Texas, definitely not in America, only in Sweden. Sometimes I think some of the biggest obstacles that God has is his people trying to teach him how to be God. We want to put a filter on things. We want to decide things. We want to measure things our human way. We want things to fit in our understanding into our boxes. And if we've been Christian for a while, it's easy to go loosing our gratefulness to God for the mercy that he showed us and become a little self-righteous and think that we have a, a right to have a say in what God does in other people's lives. You know, I don't want to be that person. But I'll tell you a story in a little bit, what God did in my life. And I, I tell those stories also to remind myself where, where God met me, the grace he gave me when I didn't deserve it, the fact that he cared about me when nobody else cared. And I don't want to be that guy. I've been a pastor 28 years. I don't want to be that guy who goes, oh, whew, you're not ready. Too fast, brother. Don't pray that prayer. Don't look so happy in worship. I saw you on Instagram at the club last night. Don't stand up here worshiping. Well, maybe that person has a lot to worship God for because God showed his faithfulness and his mercy, mercy on their lives. And we don't want to be the kind of people who get angry when God blesses people that we don't approve. There's a couple of things I, I, I see in this text. You know, like Jonah, he cared about a plant, but he couldn't care less about the people. Sometimes we fight for things that doesn't matter, but we don't care about people getting lost. Uh, some, certainly not here, only in Sweden. Uh, I look at Christianity, I go, we're fighting each other? Did someone forget that we have another enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy? Who has sworn to try to take us out? And we're on the home team, and now we're fighting each other? 
It's like we're in the Super Bowl, but we're not tackling them. We're not tackling each other. We're taking out our own quarterbacks. And you wonder why we don't win. See, sometimes I think we give the devil, we, we make it way too easy for him. And sometimes I think, God, how do you even put up with us? You have this lost and broken world that you love, that you gave your son for, and you want him saved, you want him restored, you want him redeemed, you want them forgiven. And we fight each other. We fight things. We split hairs. Why people are getting lost, why people are going to hell, why people are broken, why people are without hope, meaning, purpose, future. And we fight each other. And God goes, hey guys, wrong enemy. He's over there. And we go like, no, nah, I got this one. I'm, I got a good one here. I'll take this one. And, and, and that's what Jonah does. He complains to God about a plant who died, but he could care less about 120,000 people that they had no hope, no life, no mercy. But God is a gracious God. But here's what I found out in life. If you want to write something down, you can write this down. It's one of the takeaways from the message. You cannot live in a blessing that you cannot celebrate in someone else's life. You will never be able to live sustainably in a blessing in your own life if you cannot celebrate it in someone else's life, even if God gives them to them before he gives it to you. I had to work on this because I grew up with nothing. I grew up in a broken home. If you've been here before, I told you my story. And I had to fight so hard for everything I got and I, I felt like everything I had, I had to work for, fight for, nothing came for free, nothing came easy. And then I just see other people getting it real easy. And I started to resent them. And God had to work with me and say, listen, if you can't celebrate a blessing in someone else's life that you've been praying for and waiting for, then you're not ready to have it and hold it in your own life. But if you want to see God release blessing on your life, you start earnestly and with a pure heart celebrated in someone else's life, even if it's the blessing that you've been waiting for in your life. See, there's a few things in this text. I just want to give you four thoughts from this text that we just read that might be worth thinking about. The, the, number one, Jonah didn't think Nineveh deserved what God wanted to give them. Wanted to, Jonah wanted to be a part of making that decision. And God said, I didn't ask your opinion. I asked your obedience. Sometimes we, we mix those things, things up. We, we think God is asking for our opinion when all he wants is our obedience. God is an unfailing God. He's never woken up one morning on his throne. Not that they ever fell asleep either, but he's never woken up and go, ooh, I'm not sure about what to do today. I think I need to call Andreas and get some advice. He has never had that thought in his head. Now, I offered him advice a few times. I don't think he ever listened because I'm stupid. I see, God is not. And God had a plan for Nineveh, and he has a plan for you, and he has a plan for your neighbor. He has a plan for your workmate. He has a plan for your kids. He has a plan for your wife. He has a plan for your husband. But you are involved in that plan because he wants to use you, and we don't have the right to determine which people we like or don't like because God sent his son to die for everyone. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and we don't get to make decisions around that. All we can do is choose to have an opinion or be obedient. Jonah like, you're just going to be merciful. You're just going to be a good God. Well, we got a problem here. We have a good God. And then we forget that the same goodness that we 
are angry about him showing other people. That's the very reason why we're still alive and why we're saved and why we're in church this morning. We feel like they should earn it. Like the big brother, you know, like the lost brother. He should have earned his place in the family again. But it's a story in Luke chapter 15 about God's grace, how God just gives it back to him because he may have lost his money. He may have lost his dad's trust, but he never lost his value. And if we mix those things up, we're going to get lost real quick. When we see hurt and brokenness and sin and dirt and shame on people, God sees value because that person is one of the people that God was thinking about as he watched his own son die on a cross so that whosoever calls to the name of the Lord shall be saved. The second thing in this text that I'm thinking about, number two, is God's grace provokes our preferences. Now I'm gonna say that again. I want you to just let us sink in that God's grace provokes our preferences. And God's grace provokes my preferences sometimes. You and I go, God, God, I got preferences here, Lord. Could you just please work through my preferences? It's like, you know, when you go on a website, do you want to allow cookies? Do you, can we send your email? Can we send your commercial? Can we, and will you fill in your preferences? And we live in a world where everybody's think we have the right to preferences. I want it like that. You know, my wife, she didn't like when we started a date because I just never liked it like it was on the menu. I said, can I add that? Can you remove that? Can you do this? No, I don't want it well done. Just put it on a plate, walk through the kitchen and give it to me. As long as it doesn't move, I'll eat it. It's awesome. You know, I just want to, if I'm paying, for it. I wanted the way I wanted. I want preferences. I'm a customer. I'm paying. I want my meat rare. I don't want it well done. Hey, if I wanted it well done, I would have eaten my shoe. But since I like meat, I want it rare. You know, She's, you know, like what's wrong with people? So I, I have preferences. But the problem is when I come to God with the same mindset to go, God, here's I got prayers and I got need and I want to serve you, Lord. I give my life for you, Lord. I'm going to take up my cross for you, Lord. I'm going to follow you, Lord. But I got preferences. So before you do anything, God, and just go around and be all good and merciful and just and bonding and love and all that stuff, can, can we just talk about my preferences here for a second? And God goes, no. No, we can't. You're not invited to the conversation about preferences because you weren't there on the cross that day. My son, God would say, forfeited all his preferences as he gave himself on that cross, without sin, without shame, without fault, like a lamb, a slaughter, he gave his life. And he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass me by, by God, not as I will, but as you will. He forfeited his preferences. Therefore, he defeated sin and death and was able to restore all of us. And we got to remember that as we walk through life, that the only reason we have life is that Jesus himself gave up his preferences. And God will do things because he's a good God and it will provoke our preferences. And we got to make sure that we're not like Jonah. You know, I don't really have time to tell you everything I want to talk about, but there's a guy in the Bible named Zacchaeus, and he was a short guy. You know, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about that. He was just short, so he climbed a tree because he wanted to hear Jesus. But he was also a guy that nobody liked because he was a tax collector. Now, I don't know what you're paying tax here, but you should come to Sweden. You sneeze, they'll tax you. We'll pay tax on everything. And, uh, nobody, you know, nobody likes tax. And uh, you want to try it? Come live with me for a year. I'll show you what it's like. And, uh, but nobody liked Zacchaeus because he didn't only take the tax. He took more than he should. So the, the food that it should have been on people's table ended up in the pocket of a crook. 
And out of hundreds and hundreds of people that Jesus is preaching to, he's walking up to Zacchaeus, say, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to eat at your place tonight. Now, it's one thing that he's talking to Zacchaeus, that the one that no one likes, who steals from them. But it's one thing that Jesus says, I want to go eat at your house. Because in this time, you got to understand, visiting someone's house, having a meal, sharing a meal with them, that is the biggest sign of affirmation that you could give someone. It's the biggest honor you can give someone coming to the house and share a meal at their house. Why would Jesus do that? Does he like tax? I can't answer that because it's too many emails going to be sent. But I tell you this, I think he wanted to show us something. That his grace and his mercy is so big and is so overwhelming and is so amazing. That even the people that we think there's no good in, he will make it a priority to show us that his grace is so good that he will come even for them. And everybody stood outside and said, how can he eat with a guy like that? How can he be with him? The Pharisees said, why, why is he not with us? We're the good ones. We're the holy ones. We're the Christian ones. He should be with us. Why is he with a tax collector? Uh, tax collector? Why is he with this person? Why is he with him? Why is he with her? What's he doing with it? Jesus would never have gone that. You know, my mom told me, uh, my grandma told me, you know, she said, you know, uh, you, can, you can drive like 70 miles an hour. And she said, Andreas, once you're over 70, Jesus steps out of the car. I said, Grandma, once I hit 100, his grace comes back into my car. <laughs> she didn't believe it. She said, Andreas, you're going to run out of angels. You know, like, <laughs> but the thing is, God's mercy is so good that he will never leave us, never forsake us. And he will go after and bless people that we don't like. And we cannot be like Jonah who fights it when God's trying to do it. The third thing in this text is that denying People, grace will leave you isolated and misunderstood. There's nothing worse than someone just saying, hey, can we stop here? Can we just, we haven't talked enough about this. I'm not happy. I got a complaint. Hello. I went on one of those trips once, once in my life where you go with a group, like a charter trip. They, 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 they run you like cattle into a plane. You sit like this and you fly down to a little island in Spain and you sit down there and they, they move you around like your cattle. Sit here, stand here, sun here, eat here, do this. And they, that was the worst week of my life. Like, I'm not made for that, you know, like I'm too independent. Like, but, but, but the thing is, you just, you just move around and, and all of a sudden, you know, someone has a question, but we got to move on. And they go, hello, I got a question. Can everybody stop? And they just messed up the program. There's always one. Try to board the plane, come in here, you know, there's always one. Making a mess up in the counter, 100 people waiting. You know, sometimes when we think that God cannot move forward without our permission, we'd be the ones standing down, say, you know, putting our heels down and go, no, I don't want to move forward. No, I don't want restoration. No, I don't want to see them blessed. I'm not done complaining. I haven't told everything that I know about him that is bad. And we go, here's the deal. None of us are good enough for God. Without his grace, we all be lost. Let's not be those people who try to rate people, who try to just make a big deal out of it, thinking that our opinion is so big on people that God cannot bless them and move them forward. Jonah just sat down there and go, man, I'm going to sit here and see. I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to sit here and be grumpy. I'm going to be so grumpy so people have to come and ask me what's wrong. You know, like the kids when they run away and they sit and go, what's wrong? Nothing. Babe, what's wrong? Nothing. 
And I go, okay, cool. And they go, Dad, I want to talk to you. Nope, nothing. You said nothing. See, sometimes we're adults, but we do like that with God. Let's not do that. Let's be generous people. Let's be loving people. Let's allow God to do all he wants to do in people's life. The fourth thing, the last thing in this text is that fighting the will of God will always leave you in a storm. Now, storms can come for different reasons. But sometimes when we fight the will of God, we can be like Jonah. We end up in a storm. And sometimes storms just happen. For, we don't know why. Because we live in a broken world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The Bible says, though the sorrows may last through the night, his joy comes in the morning. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not leave me. God is not making pretend that this is going to be an easy ride. He's not making it up to say, hey, if you just say yes to me, you'll never have challenges. But what he has promised us is that we will never be alone in the storm anymore. I'd rather be in a storm with God than be on a beach without him. Because if God is with me, even if I cause the storm, I know I have a future. One thing I know about God is he is a God before the storm. He is a God in the storm. And he is the one who's going to lead me out of the storm. And if you're in a storm today, whether you're like Jonah, you made some bad decisions that brought you to a place of a storm or stuff just happened in life and you, you're caught in a storm. I'm here to tell you, there's things in, this, in the book of Jonah that we can learn from what to do in a storm. It was Jonah. He says two chapters before in chapter 2 verse 7 when he's in the belly of the fish. After the storm, he was thrown in the ocean and swallowed by a fish. And he's at the lowest point of his life. And the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to, you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God, God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and he vomited Jonah uh, onto dry land. What happens is that Jonah, he turned his test into a temple. He turned the storm into a praise session. You know, he's down there at the bottom and he said, God, I know I caused this. I know I, I brought this on myself. It doesn't matter whether you brought it on yourself or not, but we can do what Jonah did. He decided not to just sit there and feel sorry for himself, not to just sit there and go, God, where are you? He started to praise God. He said, God, I know you're a good God. God, I know salvation comes from you. He started to declare and pray and do things. And, and when he started to honor God and praise God, he didn't have a reason to praise him. He didn't praise him because of circumstances. He praised him because he's a good God. Then God turned the situation around for him. Sometimes you got to learn how to praise your way out of the storm. I know we all cute in church. Sometimes you got to take your shoes off and go, hey, move over. I'm about, to pray. I'm about to praise myself out of a storm here. I don't know how you came in here, but I came in with a storm, and I'm not walking out with it. So I'm going to do what Jonah did. I'm going to praise my way out of a storm. Like one day when I was 20 years old, my life was so messed up. Christmas Day when I was 12, my dad left the family, and he just went straight out into full-blown alcoholism. 
And now, many years later, he's restored, and we have a great relationship, and I love him dearly. But when he left, my life got so messed up. I got so lost. I got so messed up. I messed up my life. I messed up everything. And on Christmas Eve, when I was 20, I found myself at a Greyhound bus station in Lakeland, Florida. I had no money. I had no food. I had nowhere to go. I had no one to call. I didn't even have a quarter to call with. And I felt so lonely. I felt so lost. I felt like Jonah did in the belly of the fish. I was thinking about what everybody else was doing this Christmas back home in Sweden. I was on the run from life. I was on the run from myself. I was on the run from God, and I haven't talked to him for a long time, and I didn't know uh, I, that, that that's the only day of my life that I honestly can say that I was thinking about ending my life. As I was sitting on that bus station, I saw people come and go. They're happy because they're going places. They're traveling places. They go to celebrate Christmas with family, getting on buses. And as the day got longer and longer and towards the night, people stopped coming. I went and sat behind a vending machine hoping that as they closed down the counter, they wouldn't see me. Maybe I could spend the night in there. And as everybody left, I was sitting there by myself. I was crying. I was so lonely. I was so broken. I messed up my life. I couldn't go back to my life. I couldn't go forward because I had nothing to step into. And I sat there on Christmas Eve. And as midnight approached, I didn't think God wanted me to pray. I didn't think he wanted my prayers. But I said, God, if you still have anything for me in life, I've messed it all up, Lord. But if you're real and if I have a future, would you give me a sign? Would you show yourself? Five minutes later, this homeless man comes in. And I'm thinking, great. I could smell him before I saw him. And he walked in, and there's a big bus station. He comes and sits right next to me. And I go, oh, fantastic. Out of every place you could have sat, you're going to sit not right next to me? This is my pity party. And then he, he's got bunch of overcoats on and he starts fiddling in the pockets and I go he's gonna pull a knife I was ready to swing and I'm thinking what's going on here and then he pulls out an old sandwich it was disgusting and he looked at me and he took the sandwich and he broke it in two and he says here my friend nobody is alone at Christmas and he gave me that sandwich I said God You have a plan. You're really here in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a mess. When I have no answers, no prayers, you send this man that I, with my cynical filter, judged when he came. And he came and he shared his only sandwich with me. And he who is lonely says that nobody should be alone at Christmas. To this day, I don't know if he was an angel or if he was real. But I went from there and I gave my life to the Lord. And from that day on, God has never left me, never forsaken me. Now, if I would have looked at myself, I would have been Jonah. I go, he doesn't deserve it. He didn't work for it. He's got a lot to pay for. He's not eligible for mercy. He's not a good candidate for restoration. 
But thank God that we have a God who is not like I am, who sees good in us when we don't see good in ourselves, who will be merciful and just, abounding in love, who will be faithful to us when we're faithless. He is a good God. And I don't care what storm you're in today. I don't care what you walked into. I'm here to tell you, God hasn't left you. You can praise him in the storm. You can praise him in the valley. You can praise him in the belly of a fish. You can praise him in a bus station because sometimes we gotta learn how to praise our way out of a storm and say, God, you're not finished with me yet. God, you're not done with me yet. This is not the end of it. I know you're with me. I know you're for me. I know you're not going to leave me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I know, man, I want to sing this so bad, but I got to pray, and then we're going to praise him. I'm going to let you loose. I'm going to give the band a chance to lead you in worship, and if you need God to do something in your life, the worship song is going to be your moment where you make a Jonah decision. You go, God, I'm here to praise you. Not because of circumstances, not because I know where to go, not because everything is right, but because you're a good God and I'm going to declare that you're merciful and you're just and you will never leave me. You will never. When we worship, some of you you guys, you need to sing like you haven't sang for a long time because God God is about to bring freedom into your life. But I would love for you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to just pray a prayer. And I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. And if you're in this room and you've never made a conscious decision to invite Christ into your life, I need you to know that he loves you. He's seen everything in your life. Still, he loves you unconditionally. And there's nothing in your life that scares him. And today, if you open up your heart, you can ask him to come into your life and he will come into your life with forgiveness, hope, and purpose, and peace, and a future. Jesus is God's gift to you can receive him or reject him. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to be good enough. None of us are. But his grace and his mercy and his abundant love is also here for you today, my friend. Whether you never made that decision or whether you once made that, but you walked away from that and you need a fresh start, you need to come back, come home. You need to recommit your life to Christ. If you're in this room today, as we pray, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'd love for the whole church to repeat this prayer after me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. Forgive me my sins. I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Fill me with your forgiveness, your peace, and your joy. I thank you, Jesus, that my life has purpose. You will never leave me, and you will never forsake me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we stand on our feet as we get ready to worship together? Come on, we're going to sing this one song. And you don't wait about what your neighbor going to do. If you need him to work in your life today, maybe you need to sing for someone else who is not here today. But we're going to praise ourselves out of a storm. And we're going to see God do good things in our life this morning. God bless you. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.